Hello and welcome to Earthology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And in this episode, we are going to be covering Season 2, Episode 7, Everybody Knows. Everybody Knows, written by Brendan York, directed by Paulo Barsman, and this one aired July 21st, 2017. And we have a special treat for you folks on this episode. We have a guest joining us. Please welcome my Tales of the Black Badge co-host, and as the kids call him, an OG erper, Bonnie Farrar. Yay, Bonnie! Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the podcast. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. Welcome to the show. We're excited to talk erp with you. Absolutely. It's been a been a hot second since I've since I've been able to like talk about Winona Herb. So I'm I'm really excited to be able to do this. And I've never well, I I did an interview with you for um, this Herper Life like way back a, a million years ago now, um, but I've never really gotten a chance to like chat Herp with you. So I'm excited. And that's gonna be fun. We get to team tag team Kevin. Now you've got both of your co-hosts <laughs> on the show. So. <laughs> Well, I know this is a pivotal episode for the show, and I know it's one means a lot to you, so it seemed like a great time to get you on. Yeah, it's going to be great. As I do tend to remind everybody, uh, for the folks who are new to the podcast, welcome. But also, if you have not watched all the show yet, do know that everything in the first four seasons is fair game at any time, even though we're talking about a season two episode. We will try to talk about things that link to other parts of the show. So do be warned, anything is fair game for conversation. Yes, all of the seasons, we're busting it wide open. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that just lets me off the hook right there. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's 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 even, it would be so hard to just not talk about all of them now. Now that, now that we've seen everything, it's like, it would be even more hard to just like stop at one episode, which... I mean, obviously it was trouble for me and my other uh, podcasts, but now it's like, now that I've been um, unleashed, it's, I don't know if I could go back in. Yeah. It's, it's too hard. It's too hard to remember when things happen in what order. And um, yeah. So I'm really glad that I don't have to stick with only stuff that happened up until now. <laughs> you guys would be muting me and beating me. I'll be like, I'm sorry, Bonnie just broke our podcast uh, <laughs> new rules. But so, yeah, so um, where we pick up in this episode is with we're at the Gardner Mansion and Winona and Dolls are kicking down a very pregnant Winona is kicking down the door of the Gardner Mansion with Dolls. And they're on the hunt for Tucker, who was last seen uh, being shot by Nicole and jumping out of uh, Waverly's bedroom window. But instead, they find Widow Beth and Mercedes, and they're doing this whole help, help, help me bit from behind locked doors, which Winona also kicks down. And they go on to tell this tale about how Tucker locked them in there. And um, Winona's like, yeah, well, while you were locked away, Tucker kidnapped a girl and held her hostage in Waverly's room. And they're just like, oh, we're victims, just like everybody else. Um, you know, obviously, we're not believing them because we know better. Um, and it turns out, Winona's not really believing them either. She grabs Beth's shoulder because, you know, she knows that she hit one of the widows with Peacemaker back in Shorties, and she's kind of testing him out, right? Which I really wish she would have tried uh, Mercedes's as well, but 
Is that you say it? Mercedes is? Mercedes is. is. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it's and like, It's like geese and goose. Maybe it's like Mercedes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. <laughs> it's like a whole new word, right? A whole new word. Yeah. Yeah. What's a, what's a, what's a multi Mercedes called? A flock of Mercedes is. It's a uh, murder of Mercedes. Nice. Yeah. I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And Wynonna goes on to say that, you know, we're going to be watching you 20, they're going to be watching you 24 seven. And Mercedes is offended. She's like, what, what the hell? What, you know, we're not like our brother. We thought you of all people would get that. And um, that hits Wynonna a little bit. She like kind of pushes this aside and she's like, no, sorry, I don't have time to play nice anymore. And when she gets outside with dolls, she goes on to say like, Mercedes isn't like her normal self right now. And she says she's, she's not fun bitch uh, right now. She's just like bitch, bitch. <laughs> and she's wondering if the Gardner sisters are working with hypnos. And remember Winona also kind of thought Mercedes was being a little bit weird at the diner as well. Remember when she was like, oh, do you have a silver spoon up your ass? And Mercedes, who we know wasn't her normal self, like actually looked at her butt, like, what? what are you Like she didn't get uh, Winona's humor at this point. And Dolls is like, we don't have the manpower resources to watch the house 24 seven, but uh, I've learned to trust your instincts, which really is a far cry from where they started in season one, right? Like him making her tell him every choice she does and every move she makes. And now he's like, you know what? I trust your instincts. And then he gets oh, yeah. a little soft on her again. And he says, um, not being able to trust anyone ever is just, or no, she says, um, not being able to trust anyone ever is just, and he finishes her sentence by saying super lonely. And then he tries to be funny by saying, yeah, I feel you bitch. So it's all just very like, I don't know. It's cute. Right. He's just like, he's talking about how he trusts her. And this is, this has got to be hard for him because when they left off at the clock makers mansion, um, you know, everything was a little weird again. Yeah, I think it was. And I think that's part of why this one works so well is, you know, kind of the pendulum a little bit for their relationship swinging in different directions. So it's nice to see it be kind of back in a good spot here. Um, circling back to the opening scene a little bit, a couple of notes that uh, occurred to me. Number one, I love that even though we now have got the full reveal, if you will, of uh, Winona's pregnancy, after all this played out in these couple of episodes, I love that we started off with her kicking down a door to show that nothing's going to change that way. I mean, it's a small thing, but also a big thing uh, very much to me. Uh, and the other thing I don't think I caught in pre all the previous viewings was when Winona's having that exchange with the sisters or the widows, technically. Um, they, is it, I think it's Beth who says, or is it Mercedes who says, yeah, we are victims just like everyone else. How, how do they know about everyone else? Mm, that's a good point. Like what victims would they know about? Yeah. If they've been locked up, how do they even know anything's happened anywhere else? <laughs> mm, just going to pull the thread right from the beginning, <laughs> huh? No, I'm just going to state it and I'm going to leave it there. I don't <laughs> dare go any further. <laughs> uh, and then Wynona starts to feel a little woozies. Uh, woozies? Woozy. Um and Dolls is like, okay, you're going to need some kind of medical clearance to stay in the field. And then he calls Doc and tells them, or tells Doc that they have a code rainbow, which how cute is that for a code? 
who came up with that one? I have to know. Oh, you know, that writer's room probably had a list. <laughs> it, it, it also sounds very Waverly, don't you think? Oh, yes. Yes, could be. Um, and the widows are like, you know, oh, shit, Winona suspects us. Beth suggests that they leave town. But Mercedes is like, no, that'll be even more suspicious if, you know, all of a sudden we skip town. And they're still really ticked off because Tucker killed one of the only two people who knew about that third seal. And uh, then they throw Constance's head into the fireplace and it whispers holiday. So very creepily. And this seems to be uh, the action that starts off a chain of events that has now decloaked Doc Holliday, who's been marked by fire because he's been wanted for some bad, bad things many, many years ago. Well, basically, Doc being Doc, right? <laughs> Doc gonna be Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly back pre, pre-Winona days. And um, yeah, and that's going to set off this this B plot that is like just, you know, the boys club getting into some shenanigans together. And um, at the homestead, Winona is snacking on a a vat of yogurt (laughs) and (laughs) Jeremy and Waverly are trying to figure out what the widows are. And it turns out that they were classified back at BBD and BBD was just so busy, they never really got around to examining uh, what they were. And, um, you know, now they're coming to realize that they've got that paralyzing venom and they were in that shipping container for over a century. And everyone's really coming to the conclusion that Tucker and the sisters are definitely like in on this somehow. They have something to do with this. Waverly's transcribed some of the seal and it reads, uh, let thee rise, which you know, that'll make sense more later on. And Winona quips that this is her least favorite Boys to Men album, which just reminds me of Nedley and all his like, that's my second favorite Britney Spears song. And uh, Dolls and Doc show up with a doctor to examine Winona. And uh, she examines her and asks her, you know, a bunch of questions like, you know, when's your first period? All the typical like pregnant things. Do you smoke? Do you drink? And Winona starts out all Winona, you know, joking about it. But then you can kind of like see the reality set in with her, especially when they get to the drinking question. And she's like, you know, listen, this all took me by surprise because we know she's been drinking up until this time because she didn't know she was pregnant. So why would she have even had any reason to stop? Right. Um, And this doctor's really sweet and tries to reassure her that, you know, there's no one I'm not judging you. And then Winona starts asking about genetic testing. And the doctor says that it should have been done months ago, but that she would need blood samples to do that. And I don't know about you two, but for me, this is where I was like, wait a minute. Like, I just always assumed it was docs. So at this point, this is when I'm like, okay, she's worried about something more here. See, I thought she was just worried about the fact that she had sex with like her grandpa's best friend, who's like an immortal, you know, cowboy. And like, how's that work? You know, <laughs> like, what kind of health concerns would come yeah, out of that? <laughs> like, I don't know. This is like two hundred year old, you know, like a hundred year old, you know, dad, baby daddy. Like, how do how does that work? <laughs> like, really old sperm. Like, yeah. just how good can it be? Yeah. So I was like, I thought that was all she was talking about. I didn't realize there was going to be like a whole nother, um, a whole nother side to the story. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those first time throughs where. It, it didn't make a lot of sense quite there. I mean, Bonnie's got a great point. One, um, you know, Doc and his 
age and all, but at first I was kind of like, hmm, okay, that's kind of a weird question. But then again, it's why no one at this point, as we know, she's dealing with a lot. So I, I, I wondered what it was. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely still didn't think Rev, but I was like, well, wait a minute. Why, why is she even questioning this? I didn't really think about like, just because, you know, we still didn't really know anything about Doc, but um, yeah, I was just like, okay, what, what is going on? And um, the doctor leaves and is like, okay, next time you're going to have to actually come to the office. Winona jokes, bring your own speculum. And Dolls tries to ask how things are. And the doctor says, you know, doctor patient confidentially, you know how it is. And I thought that was an interesting comment for her to make to him. Did that like ping anything with either one of you? I was like, has she been treating him? Which doesn't make sense if she's just a a gynecologist, but like, was she a regular doctor too? And was she also treating dolls? Or am I just reading way too much into it? I thought it was just kind of an off the cuff, like, you know, like how all of us doctors can't, you know, like I thought it was just kind of like an aside, like, oh, you know how it is. Doctors can't, you know, like if you've seen any ER episode or any, any type of like episode on TV or anything, like, you know, doctors can't you know, doctor patient confidentiality, lawyers have confidentiality agreements. So I just thought she was kind of like, eh, same. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm suspecting too, that since doc and him basically kidnapped her, and, you know, it was probably a long ride to the homestead. Um, he would have said that he was law and, and therefore he would know that that was part of the understanding of what's going to happen. Okay. See, this is just classic Anne going off the rails. It happens all the time, Bonnie. <laughs> well, you know, in an Emily Andrews show, it, it's hard not to because like Kevin and I used to go off the rails about things that didn't even happen and never happened. Like we were just like, maybe next episode it'll be, we were like completely wrong. And we, and we would never have guessed the things that did happen and then we'd spend hours analyzing the things that did happen and we'd still miss things. I'd get on Twitter and someone was like, look, did you notice this and that? And we are like, no, you know, <laughs> you did not notice that. Like, you know, well, we watched the episode four times and podcasted on it for two and a half hours, but no, I didn't recognize that. Thanks. Right. And now no. it's even worse because now we go backwards and I'm like, yeah. did I miss something in this episode that meant that means something uh, 17 episodes from now? I know. And then like some things like, I, I firmly believe very little in the show happens by accident. Like I think that the, the writers are so great. When when we were on set, we got to see some of the props people and just like the thought that they put into like the newspaper and headlines mm-hmm. and like just all kinds of stuff. And so everything, like nothing happens by accident, but some, sometimes I wonder like if we're like drilling down a little too far, you right. know? but we just can't <laughs> help ourselves. We can't because that's yeah. the fun part, right? Like right. it's fun. Where's the fun if we wouldn't? Um, Dolls calls Jeremy over and he tells him that he's, um, you know, congratulations, you're coming with me on a stakeout. Jeremy gets all Jeremy about it. And Dolls is like, shh, this ain't tickets to Comic Cosmic Con, all right? And Jeremy, you know, corrects him saying, Comic Con, you guys, there's nothing random in this show. Like this weekend is San Diego Comic Con. Yep. I yep. was like, that is just. And this episode aired. Aired. During Comic Con, <laughs> right? So. It was like it was like, come on! Like, how do you know this? Like that episode aired during Comic Con, and it was like, all right, this is ridiculous. I know. So, like, doing my notes, and I'm like, oh my god, we're we're talking about it on Comic Con weekend. So, yeah. yeah, and I've got a fun story related to that. I'll share later on too. 
Okay. You let us know. Uh, Waverly says that, you know, Winona's strong. She's talking to, to Doc and she says, Winona's strong and the baby will be too. She tells him to just, why don't you go outside and shoot some things, which I just think is so funny. And as Doc is walking around outside, he's just kind of thinking about how like an herb and a holiday are starting a family together after all these years as he walks and smokes outside. And then this kid comes from, you know, out of nowhere, who we saw earlier talking about the decloaking. And he's like, did you say holiday? And Doc just thinks he's just like some fanboy. And then the boy comes on to the land, which then worries Doc. And he says, I'm sorry. I think you're I'm starting to think you're not here for my autograph. So it's all very like this whole story was just like a little out of nowhere for me, but I really did enjoy it. Uh, but it like took a while for me to pick up where it was, what it was laying down. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and then back in the homestead bedroom, Waverly and Winona are talking and it's just, it's all very cutesy with Waverly talking about the pregnancy and how it's, she thinks maybe it's starting to settle in with doc that he's about to be a dad. And Winona's like, uh, did, did he say that? Like, what do you know? And then Waverly says, oh, you know him. The more he feels, the less he says, like a masseuse. I did not pick up that line, like the first few passes. And it's just one of those classic, like, gets you later on. That's like, that's funny. How did I miss that one? <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those reasons for having the subtitles on. Yeah. Well, let me just, it's ta- confession time. When, when we were watching all these first episodes and Winona was pregnant, the fir- one of the first thoughts that ran through my mind was, like, whose baby is it, right? Because, like, we know she was with Doc, but then she's also, like, like interested in dolls, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, so, like, everybody, like, says, oh, it was sort of assumed that it was Doc's baby. But, like, I never really understood why it was assu- just assumed that. Like, because as far as a fan of the show... Like, I was kind of like, but what about dolls? Like, he's been in the mix a little bit, too. Like, I mean, I don't know. You know, I we don't know how much. But they they definitely had, like, uh, some chemistry. And they definitely had an attraction there. So I'm like. You were thinking maybe just because we didn't see something that something might have happened at this point. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, I guess everybody's always assumed it was docs and I'm like, you know what, you know, and, and, you know, spoiler. (laughs) Um, But like, you know. I didn't not assume that I didn't know that. So it, I guess it took me a couple episodes before I was really like, are we sure? That's- well, and we had no reason to think that they were exclusive. I mean, even right. D- our doc says that later on, mm-hmm. um, but we just, we just never saw anyone else. So it's like, who, I guess I just figured she was so busy, you know, fighting revenants that when would she have found the time? Mm-hmm. But as we, but she, she made some time. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I was, I think I was one of the only fans. Well, it might be, there was a lot of people, but I felt like I wasn't on that assumption right off the bat. Like I was mm-hmm. kind of like, wait, but like, you know, is this really like, or how do we know it's not dolls, you know, or whatever. But, but then they never really like, it seemed like everybody, all the characters on the show went right to like doc. So obviously. Kevin, you just always assumed it was Doc. I yes, I did. Yeah, because you know, at least that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, because of you know, you know, the character relationships and all. Yeah, I just that, couldn't get past that he was like the grandfather's friend. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> I just I just kept being like, okay, but like, and you know, 
Winona and Dolls had some good chemistry and I couldn't really get, I was kind of team Dolls for a really long time, right? You know, and then I think like over time, I know Kevin, you were always team Doc. Um, but like, I think over time I got in, I became like, you know, heavily invested in Winona and Doc, but like. So the fact that he was Wyatt's friend was, was the part you couldn't get over, not the part that he was like 150 year old. Well, no, no, it all goes together. <laughs> okay. I mean, it all goes together. Like, you know, to be like your grandpa's best friend or your right. grandpa's best friend or whatever. And like over a hundred and something years old. Like I, I was always, that always tripped me up a little bit in the beginning. Um, but I think by the end of season two, I, I didn't see him as like that old, you know, I think they kind of, they played that up a lot in the first season, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, season and a half like how little doc knew about like technology and how like he was a cowboy and his you know so I, I think I became team doc well I think it's funny too how like how quickly we all kind of overlook the fact that doc is s- basically supernatural like mm-hmm. there's so many things wrong about doc <laughs> You know, like, and then he becomes a vampire and, and all these other things. But so it's like, he's not just like some guy that happened to escape death somehow. Like he's yeah. got these, not powers, but, you know, he's supernatural. I mean, nobody tell Tim that I was not Team Doc from the very start. I loved Doc as a character. I just wasn't like Team Doc and Winona right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So don't tell, don't tell Tim. Because okay. I was always Team Tim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a difference. There is a big difference. Big difference. difference. (laughs) Everyone's always too dim. And Winona's starting to freak out and Waverly's like, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, I don't want to tell him that he might not be the dad. And Waverly just has this look on her face like, uh, well, then who is right? She's she's not like Bonnie going, well, maybe it could have been dolls. She's like, who else could it have possibly been at this point? And she's just very concerned. And she's just like got this oh shit what's what's coming now kind of look on her face yeah or some of her expressions in this episode including that scene there you know just some wonderful dom stuff mm-hmm. um back outside doc is with this kid from the olden times and the kid's like you know hey don't shoot i'm just a messenger and then he says, I wouldn't gun down a child, which I thought was really interesting considering in season four, he was willing to kill Rachel like nobody's business. She's a child, but I know he was like not really in his right mind at the time, but you don't have to bring it up. <laughs> he goes on to explain that this warrant has been issued for Doc in the year 1882 in Colorado and that for 135 years he hid. And Doc's like, uh, well, to be fair, a witch threw me in the well. So I wasn't really hiding. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's branded in the back by this kid who says, get your affairs in order because he's coming for you. So this has got to be pretty disturbing for Doc, especially now that he thinks he's about to become a father. Well, it was helpful, though, to find out, you know, the 1882 part and all, because, you know, Doc's thinking then about what, what it could be. Yeah, but you know he's got a pretty long laundry list of things, so it's like <laughs> I don't know if that's really going to help him with the timeline break down what he's. I don't know. Well, all that past. time in the well, he might have had his own timeline etched in the bricks. I don't know. <laughs> you think there's a diary he had we don't know about? 
I didn't Possible. see it in the auction. Dear diary, day three hundred and seventy-two thousand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the sad diary that would have been. <laughs> but I would have read it. Oh, back in um, the bedroom, uh, Waverly's freaking out. She's just level-headed Waverly is absolutely gone at this point and she's like oh my god oh my actual god he's gonna freak right out he's gonna be crushed um you know she's like he's gonna shoot everything and Wynonna says well maybe he'll be be relieved um Doc no strings holiday and Waverly's like are you kidding Doc is all strings he's like a marionette puppy which I thought was so funny instead of puppet (laughs) just marionette (laughs) puppy very appropriate I think yeah. Um, but I just I love how well Dom plays freaked out Waverly here where they just talk really fast and move really fast. And it's just like all anxiety and energy. And it's I don't know, it's like those scenes about Waverly that are just so endearing where it's just freaking out. Right. Yeah. It's very stream of consciousness, like trying to process it, but also solve it, but also freaking out about it at the same time. Exactly. Just again, like very sisterly, right? Like, okay, now what are we going to do? What's going to happen? She's like, how's, how, how could this happen? Winona says, would you like <laughs> me to draw a diagram? Because I will. <laughs> uh, and she goes on about how they've never promised each other everything, anything. Um, Waverly says he's going to shoot everything. And then Winona says, you are kicking ass and not helping right now, just so you know, which again, I just, I love that kind of sister, like back and forth just ribbing each other um and just like the balance of this relationship how they can go back and forth with you know one of them is strong while the other one falls apart and then like you know another time we'll see the other one is strong while the other one falls apart it's just again it makes me want to have a sister so badly i have three you can have one of mine okay just (laughs) give me one of the good ones oh (laughs) (laughs) uh and uh Waverly's like, you know, grownups or not, I'll be there when you tell him, you know, a full support. She's like, I got you. I got your back. Right. And then Doc walks in and that all just goes out the window because Waverly just freaks out squeaky voice like, hi, Henry. And it's like, I got to go books it out of there. And I didn't notice before that Wayne like slaps her on the ass as she walks out too, which again, it's just so very cute. And then nothing good happens in this next scene in the kitchen at all. Oh, goodness. (laughs) here's where we see the love doc has for Wynona that he just isn't going to say. Right. Uh, Wynona's like, I never thanked you for the note. It really mattered. And doc asks if she's doing okay. And he's genuinely concerned. And um, he's like, you know, let's talk. Things have really changed since my day about like how much participations fathers have, but I'll be as involved as you want. No more, no less. Um, and I just want you to be as healthy and close to happy as possible. And I think that's really interesting how he phrases that. And he says, I will give anything to ensure it. And he's just like choking up saying these words. Um, and of course, Wynona is just tears in her eyes and it's killing us all. She says, you're such an asshole. And then he's like, well, maybe I said it wrong. And they're both just teary and I'm teary at this point. And I'm sure Kevin's teary at this point. Um and then she lies to him, telling uh, him that the doctor wants them to do blood tests, right? And he's like, whatever, you know, anything. Um, 
And she doesn't tell him. She doesn't tell him at this point, right? Because she just, she knows he'll be broken. And then as Doc stops on his way to walk out the door, he touches her belly. And then there's this moment that we all find out later on is when Tim actually feels the baby kick. The real baby. Yeah. Yeah. Melanie's baby, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And, and that, that is just such an ERP thing to have happen, you know, for all the craziness with this show and everything else. I mean, talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, an emotional like, point like that. They're like the reactions were genuine reactions because this happens. And, and it's just so cool. Like even to this day to hear like Tim and Mel talk about that moment and like they both get choked up just even talking about it. I mean, just a little like you know, going back with this whole scene, you know, like Melanie, she's the lead of a, you know, I don't know, Earp's lead of a sci-fi show. She finds out she's pregnant uh, before the season even starts. Um, She freaks out because she thinks her career is over, um, that they're, we had just gotten season two renewed. Uh, It took a lot to get season two renewed, a lot of fan participation, a lot of fans like railing and, you know, sending letters to sci-fi and, you know, all of a sudden she finds out she's pregnant and she's kind of like, oh God, you know, all this. And uh, she goes to Emily and to, you know, the powers that be at all the networks and stuff like that. And and, and they basically um, welcome it, you know and I mean? I don't know what happened behind closed doors. I can't really speak because I wasn't in the room. Um, but like from to hear Emily tell it and to hear Melanie tell it that they kind of said, no, we're not going to write it out of the script we're gonna write it into the script we're gonna so you know emily had to go back to the writer's room i think at that point they had already had like several episodes flushed out um back to the writer's room and and they they brought this pregnancy into the storyline um which was really important i think because in today's age so many women are forced to choose between being a mother and be having a career mm-hmm. and even if your company or your boss doesn't outright like make you make that choice it, you know society kind of does it, it pressures you and be like oh you know you, you work out of the house your poor kids when do you spend time with that you know like there's always right. this guilt I mean moms carry a tremendous amount of guilt even if you stay home, you have guilt. Right. Like, well, I was going to say, even if your boss isn't putting it on you, yeah. you're, you don't need them to. You put it on yourself. Yeah. And the society sort of puts it on you like to be everything. And so here's so here's Melanie. You know, she's going into like the dead of Calgary winter to film the sci-fi show that um, everyone has rallied around to support her and build this into the storyline. And her cast is watching her day in and day out do these grueling long days, you know, um, you, and basically carry a show because as the lead, I mean, even though it's an ensemble and stuff like that, Melanie is the lead of the show. Mm-hmm. There's no one on earth without Melanie. Um, and, you know, she's carrying the show. She's away from her family in Calgary. And just to be so, so when you hear Tim talk about, that moment in the kitchen when they're doing these things, like those emotions were so real because they had so much talking to them. They had so much respect for Melanie and so much just fierce pride in what she was doing and just the way she was just kicking the door down, you right. know, not only just in the beginning of this episode, but just throughout the entire series and doing something that we really haven't seen on a show, I mean, there was Fargo, the movie where, mm-hmm. you know, a very pregnant Frances McDormand just goes about her day, you know, solving crime. I love that, you know, um, but this was basically the same thing. And she was, you know, extremely pregnant in real life. And 
just to think about what it must have taken to to film those scenes and to like go through the physical nature of filming us, you know. Yeah, um, and she's not just like a side character. Like she's yeah. in all these scenes, physically active, like yeah. not yeah. easy stuff, not yeah, pregnant. Exactly. And and so, you know, like when we had Tim on the show, he he definitely kept reiterating how like, you know, like all those were really real feelings. Like he mm-hmm. felt so, you know, um, proud to be a part of that with her and to be a part of that, watch her go through that and, and, and stuff like that. So it was, it's really neat when you sort of peel back the layers as, as a fan and you realize what you're watching isn't just a TV show. It is actually like their real life is sort of like bleeding into yeah, what it's we're like this living document. Yeah. And, and I think it's what made it so much more powerful. That's why we all choke up so, so much. I mean, yes, the writing is amazing. And the, what Brendan has done with that scene was amazing and stuff. But what Melanie and Tim bring in that moment is enhanced by the fact that they were living it in real life and going through just feeling so much, like you said, he was like so proud of his friend for like, you know, and just felt such strong emotion watching her carry, you know, her baby and do all of these things. And, you know, um, yeah. And Emily talks about it in the postmortem with Bridget as well. And she just goes on about how like, yeah, this, these are two, this is Tim, like just being so protective of his friend as she's going through this. So it's like, it comes out in the scene and, um, about that moment, Emily just says, uh, I think that's the most amazing Tim moment. And Melanie called me afterward and said, this moment is incredible. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to make sure when we were talking about it, that all the stuff that was actually happening in real life kind of came in there. Cause I think that just enhances this episode so much for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't look at it and not think about all those things. No, I'm in awe. I'm just, you know, again, <laughs> Kevin, no. <laughs> no. Kevin's like, it's not safe for me to talk anymore. I can't. I can't. Get a kiss. I, if I go down, no, no. Watermelon no. in two my throat. You, <laughs> two of you have, you know, you've you've lived this. Uh, you you understand it, and we have seen it and felt it. Uh, it's just more and more of an appreciation for it. Then we have a porch scene. Uh, it's not like all of our other porch scenes, but it's still a porch scene. <laughs> where Waverly wants to talk to Doc, who who appears very upset. And Waverly just assumes it's because Winona just told him about the baby maybe not being his. Um, but really, he's just got this like marked thing on his mind, right, about whoever's coming after him. And then Waverly calls Nicole and says, I need a favor. And I think I speak for everyone when I say, thank God for this favor. We're about <laughs> to see her call in because... It brings me so much joy. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this episode that Brendan does so well is that it is this this episode has so much why it's one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, um, which is saying a lot because there's so many great episodes. But there's so much emotion in this episode from start to finish. Like there's all these like emotional um, moments that are just that just break you, mm-hmm. and then there's hilarity throughout the entire episode too. So it's this great combination, which is one of the reasons I love Wine on Herb so much is that it, and Kevin and I talk about that all the time is that it's ability to kind of make you go, you know, you're laughing and then you're crying and then you're laughing and then you're crying. You know, it's, it's this roller coaster of emotions. And this episode is like the perfect example of that. Yeah. I think that's like, you know, a lot of us call Wine on Herb their comfort show. And I think that's like endorphin wise, there's some, it's, 
it's part of that reason is because you go through that whole range of emotions in one episode, which is very cathartic. It's just like you can go from happy to sad to like scared shitless to like grossed out. It's like all it's like a workout, like emotionally when you're done. I think if you're doing it right anyway, like emotional jazzercise. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's emotional herpercise. Is that that right? (laughs) (laughs) Quick, put it in urban dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Put it on a shirt. Uh, Then at the uh, Gardner mansion, Jeremy and dolls are just like another fun side bit in this episode, right? They're just fun together where Jeremy's like, he keeps, he's like, keep flashing that smile and she'll fall in love with you. And Dolls is like, I told you not to make this weird. And Jeremy says, I didn't tell you I wouldn't. <laughs> and he's just like, I noticed it this time. I'm like, I knew he was eating something, but it's pistachios. Like he's got shells all over the car, which I'm sure is driving Dolls crazy, but he's, you know, doing it anyway. Um, and then he brings up the whole like, oh, now that there's no more black badge, I guess that ban on coworker hookups is over. And so he's just like, he's all over the place, right? He's just, he's so giddy about being on a stakeout. It just, it cracks me up that he, like, he can't even load, like he's trying to load the gun and he can't even like load the cartridge, right? He's like, doesn't even know what he's doing. And then he goes on about like, Imagine if the baby has Doc's piercing blue eyes and Winona's luscious hair. And he's just driving him crazy. Um, talking about babysitting. And finally, Dolls has had it. And he's just like, shut up. And then um, if he wasn't annoying enough, now Jeremy sneezes and just grosses Dolls out. And he's like, can you blow your nose already? And what he pulls out of his pocket isn't a tissue, but a piece of lace that. I thought was under like women's panties at first time. I was like, why does Jeremy have lazy panties in his pocket? That's weird. Um, but it turns out it was from the widows. And he's like, oh, this is great. I can run some tests on it. Oh, the comedy stuff between the two. I mean, I'm thinking back to classics like The Odd Couple and other things. I mean, it's just beautiful to watch it play out. And, yeah. And yeah, it is. It is just so fun. That's a good comparison. I kind of wish we would have had a little bit more of it, too. Yeah, we used to say all the time, it didn't matter which two people you put on screen. Um, it, they were, it was always amazing. And this was like a pairing we didn't see very often. And um, we don't get to see in the future for reasons. Right. But um, it like, it, I wish we would have gotten more Dolls and Jeremy together because they would they would have been a really great pairing. Yeah, more. I could just imagine him like trying to cheat teach Jeremy the ropes like combat wise and just like more shenanigans with him like failing miserably yeah but trying so hard <laughs> yeah it would have been funny because then like Jeremy could have bounced back and forth between like idolizing Doc and idolizing dolls you mm-hmm. know and yeah. that would have been kind of funny yeah his his man crushes on both of them yeah mm-hmm. yeah um back at the homestead ah. Uh, it's just, this is where it gets really good. I mean, it's already good, obviously, but obviously this is one of my favorite things. Um, Wynona's walking out and she sees that Hot has showed up and she's like, Waverly left, cell phones, people use them. Um, you're going to have to take a rain check on the old pop by. And there's Nicole just looking at Wynona with one of the cutest expressions on her face that I think I've ever seen that face, those goddamn dimples you could serve like ice cream out of they're just giant cavernous adorable dimples bonnie tell me you agree yes 
<laughs> dimples. Yes. <laughs> oh. Her comment about cell phones irritates me because a couple episodes later, that was my whole beef with the end of the episode when when like Nicole's in the hospital. Because I'm like, why didn't Winona message Waverly and go, we got it. Like, yeah, we got the stuff we needed. So you were like, cell phones, people use them. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. So they don't use uh, their cell phones. No, <laughs> not as much as they could have. But I guess cell coverage in purgatory probably sucks. It I mean, it was pretty spotty. Yeah. We're going to go with that. Good point. Uh, Wait, known as like, uh, don't make me belly bump you. Hot says, you know, who would I rather piss off, you or your sister? And Winona then realizes that Waverly sent her to babysit. And Hot says, well, mommy, sit technically. And she's like, I'm not to let you out of my sight until she gets back. You're going through a lot right now. And she doesn't want you to be alone right now, which is like such a sweet thing of Waverly to do. And Waverly's like, or Winona's like, fine, but we're going to the bar. <laughs> And Hot thinks it's a little too early to go to Shorty's, which I think is funny that she's like not even questioning, like, why are we going to Shorty's? You shouldn't be drinking. But um, Winona says it's not Shorty's. It's an away game. And Hot's like, OK, fine. Just shuffles along after her. And she says, I guess I'm drinking for two. Winona says three, like the baby would drink, but whatever. Um, and then she says, I hate doing everything sober, which is hilarious because she barely does anything sober. <laughs> Yeah, had one taste of it. She's like, I don't like it. Not for me. Yeah. It's overrated. And uh, at Shorty's, Doc is loading his pistols as Waverly walks in, and she's about to just do some bad, bad thing here. Um, he's preparing for whatever battle is headed his way with this kid. And Waverly's like, whoa, so much for being grownups about it. Because again, she thinks he already knows. And Doc's like, I'm too busy to translate what you're trying to say right now. And she says, I hope this ammo isn't for all the men Winona has slept with. And he's like, like what, what are you even talking about? Right. And it's just like, it's another one of those like lesbian, not a unicorn scenes where they're not both on the same page right now. Two totally separate conversations yeah. <laughs> that just happen to be happening in the same scene. <laughs> and like, okay, so this scene too, like my brain went to, um, how clueless he was in season four when it was the body swap and they came in and he was all confused about what they were talking about too. So it was like, it was like in the same spot in the bar too. It's like, I'm having like a deja vu moment. Um, but she says, you're still part of the family, even if the baby isn't yours. And he had no idea, but now he does. Thank you very much. Waverly. <sighs> And he storms off saying, oh, well, maybe she's better off. <laughs> but, you know, it's setting up comedy gold. I know. So I'm willing <laughs> to go through the pain for a minute because it's going to be good stuff. Because then we're at Pussy Willows, which is, I forgot this is the first time we've ever been there. Is this the first time we've seen Pussy Willows? Yeah. Or was On there a bull riding scene? Was that at Pussy Willows? At the beginning of something. Did they ever show this? Well, I guess it must. It would have been, right? Or was the bull riding scene in season three? See, now I don't know. Yeah, that's that scene, I believe, is beginning of season three. Beginning of season three. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so this is the first time we've seen Pussy Willows. Got it. Well, it is maybe in show, but Bonnie, I, don't, I bet you probably remember before season two started to air, you know how good Emily is with the teases. 
She dropped a tweet that was just the Pussy Willow song. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And talk and about fans just, going, yeah. Two bananas. Everybody, like, lost. Lo- Can we curse on this show? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Everybody lost their shit <laughs> on Twitter. They were like, they were like, what is that? You know? <laughs> what is that place? <laughs> when do we see it? Um, I didn't realize how big that sign was either. It's pretty big. Yeah. It's huge. I saw it in the auction and I was like, that is, I hope people realize how big that is when they are bidding on that. Thing. Yeah, we got to see it uh, when we were on set. We got to see it and it, it was way bigger than I, I, I anticipated. Yeah. It's massive. I think Emily even mentions it in the postmortem where she like jokes about, like, I have it and now I don't know what I'm going to do with it or something like that. What am I, where can I put this sign? Um, uh yeah and we only see i think we only see pussy willows one other time which is when the cult of bolshar thing happens i mean we get trying it to, yeah I mean, i'm trying to think if there's too. any others i mean but what i was thinking yeah. was like we only i think we only see it that one other time but it left such a like long-lasting impression on us all like i feel like we were there more because it's like so fresh in my memory yeah well I and like i do. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people who are mentally spending a lot of time there after finding out about Aphrodite and all, okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've all spent a lot of time there in our mind. Oh, the wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks. Exactly. Hot's like, what kind of girl ends up working in a place like this? And we're about to find out. And uh, Winona says, oh, let me see, maybe someone with no family, a reputation for conjuring up fake demons and no other way to raise money for a bus ticket out of here, which hot doesn't still like, doesn't really register. Maybe it's because she's been drinking too much already. Um, but it doesn't really register until that guy, uh, TJ walks up behind Winona and says, where you been Aphrodite? Um, and hot's like, who's Aphrodite? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) And she takes a long drink of beer and Wynonna tells her to pace herself because there's so much more to judge. And I don't know, this whole scene is just, it's not only so much fun because of the obvious bonding moment for why not, but Nicole learns all these things about Wynonna and she really opens up to her about things she's never really talked about before. And then we, the audience get to learn about Wynonna as well. So it's just, I don't know. It's comedy gold. It's story gold. Well, and it, if you think about it too, it it means so much more because at the very beginning of the episode, what did you know her and dolls talk about? Like not being able to trust people makes you really lonely. Mm-hmm. And so here's Winona opening up and trusting, you know, Nicole with some of her secrets and things that she knows she could get judged for, things that she might be shamed for um she might lose a friend over or whatever and she's she's opening up and she's learning how to trust a little bit and this is one of those moments those really pivotal moments i think for for her and nicola as a friend as friendship building blocks right you know yeah absolutely and i think you know she's Wynonna says oh there's so much more to judge but i don't think she truly even feels that nicola's judging or her or is going to judge her or knowing Winona, she wouldn't even told her at all. So it's like, I think she automatically just knows by also the way that she, she being Nicole handled the whole thing when she's found out she was pregnant, you know, like she kept that secret and was so cool about it. And yeah, just, I think that, that like, there's so much more to judge. I think also might be a little bit of like 
how she was feeling in the moment, you know, judging herself or maybe past decisions. I mean, we all go through that, right. You know, like getting into a place in our lives and looking backwards and being like, Oh, why did I do that? that (laughs) 26 year old me was an idiot. Why did I cut? Why did I give myself bangs? I mean, you know, it was just, you just look back and, and you have, regrets or you have like maybe if they're not regrets you do judge yourself harshly sometimes because it's you you know and mm-hmm. and I think in that moment she might have been also talking about her judging herself because she's probably not thrilled with the idea that her baby could be a, a revenant <laughs> right yeah she's got herself in a situation she's not real keen about uh and obviously that situation is that she got so drunk a few months ago that even shorties wouldn't serve her anymore so she came to pussy willows that How we didn't even that right who cut right? her off who's gonna say no to winona right uh and she did some things namely that guy over there and hot's like oh well at least drunk winona still has standards which is just funny that she appreciates the male the male figure uh at all and Hot's like, wait, how many months ago? It's starting to click, right? And then she's like, oh, so we're here to tell him that uh, you are the crazy chick with a bun in the oven. And she's so proud of, like, the look on her face. She's so proud of the pun that she just made. Drunk Nicole. And Winona says, oh, Officer Hot, so sweet, so naive. I have no intention of letting this pussy willow out of the bag. You're going to buy him a drink, and then you're going to steal the glass for the saliva sample. Science will tell us who the dad is, and then we murder science to keep its mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) Whole plan. (laughs) Yeah. Hot thinks it's a great plan, actually. And uh, Winona says, you don't become Winona Earp by confronting problems head on. (laughs) Truer words, Winona. <laughs> truer words. I think I laughed out loud at that part. Because, <laughs> like, the whole dynamic between her and Nicole is so fun to begin with. You just never want it to end, ever. And then there's just so many good lines and, like, this tiny little nugget of, like, time. Yeah, it's not a huge scene, but it's just packed full of just the face acting, the, the physical comedy, the one-liners. Yeah, it's just so very good Aperol can play drunk Nicole so well that it's just so it's it's so good it's one of my favorite things in the world yeah <laughs> like we didn't know we needed that in our lives and now it's like I can never be without that yeah I'm glad that they recognized it and put it in every single season every mm-hmm. you know like because uh I would have been sad if it was just that one episode in that one first season you know but I'm glad that they recognized what comic gold existed between these two whenever they got they started drinking and they decided they were going to have a drunk why not like episode every single season I looked forward to it I was like which one is it which one is it (laughs) where are we gonna see her uh uh the guy gets mad at, at someone in the bar um this jonas guy and his eyes turn red and this is when nicole notices this and points it out to winona and this is when they both come to the realization at the same time that this may not only just be the baby's daddy but he's also a revenant which is very scary <laughs> Like, like when he figures it out, that's even scarier, but it's like, okay, what could that possibly mean? And Wynonna's like, okay, breathe, breathe every, you know, just everything about this scene is magic. Like I just, I get giddy even thinking about it. Um, I had so many questions because I'm a nurse. Oh, okay. I did not know this about you. 
Well, I, I haven't practiced in, in a, quite a while because of my kids and, and, and life went in a different direction, but. But once I, a nurse, always a nurse. Yeah. It was a brain, it's a brain thing. Like, you know, once you're, I was a NICU nurse. And so like, I have a lot of questions about like, okay, if it's a revenant, so it's technically, they're not really alive. They're like, so I'm like doing this whole, like, how can they father like a baby? Like you can't even have like two different, like, you know, like you can't even have two different, like big cats can't really mate, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, how is it? Like, I'm just doing this whole thing. And then I'm like, you know what, Bonnie, just. Show. Oh, right. <laughs> I had to like pull myself out of that, like, wait a minute, but if he's a revenant, like, how does that work? Like, is <laughs> no, but I love that the show like affords us that opportunity to like seriously question it, but then we always come back down and we're like, because it's sci fi, that's why it's going to be fine. Like, but it's, this it's is my problem with it. The episode so far is that like, how's the revenant going to be the dad when like, you know there's literally like a 200 year old or 150 year old, like right. bounty guy coming to get doc. I can question that. But this is where this is episode. <laughs> what? Works, this is 207. And this is where Bonnie starts to like <laughs> suspend like, wait, her reality. How does a remnant have a baby? <laughs> this is where we almost lost Bonnie and she this almost gave like, up on know. the show. Like, nope, done. <laughs> too, you went too far, Brendan. <laughs> And in my mind, this is like, okay, you know, just like come back down. It's not supposed to make, it's gonna even be if fine. you do that, you'll figure it out. It's not supposed to make sense. By the know? end of the episode, I'm sure we'll have some answers or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so this is where we flash back to the night that it happened. And um, they're both just freaking out, hot, freaking out. Hot's just chugging beers left and right. And she's like, are you sure you were drunk? Are you sure it was him? Maybe it wasn't him. She goes on to say that after the jack of knives, she was broken and she did what she does best. She drank and Doc offered to bring her home, but she wasn't done partying. She just wanted to be touched. And that's when they show that next day scene where she struts into the BBD office all super fly. And the way they did this story where they they pivoted this and they they wove it in using things that we didn't like. Like it was already done and then they wove it back in to make it part of this episode. Like, I don't even know how to put it into words. Just like so smart. Well, I think it was like the first time that we realized, I mean, like, you know, as viewers that things happen with, that we're not watching. I mean, you, you, you know this, but right. this was the first time when you they really showed you like, remember we, you saw this, remember you saw this, well, stuff happened in the middle and you didn't get to see that. So yeah. You're like, Oh, <laughs> like, you know, I remember like taking this episode and pausing it, pulling it, pulling up the other episode on a different device and like matching them up and being like, no, that's absolutely that exact, like the exact scene. They just like used that exact scene. I'm like, this is genius. I don't know why, but yeah. I was just so impressed. And then when I watched it this time too, I was just also like, how could you not think about episode 412 and how like the drinking for her has been so problematic and just she's so self-destructive and then how we see it finally start to like play out in, in 410. I mean, cause that's also got the herb sister trappings as far as the, just about the first time the two of them have serious words with each other about it. Yeah. I know, Kevin, you were pretty broken up about that. Oh goodness. Yes. <laughs> We're still a long ways away, Kevin. We don't have to think <laughs> about that right now. 
Okay, okay good. Let's talk good. about it now. Kevin. <laughs> let's talk about it now. The thing is, though, when you love somebody, sometimes you have to um, hold them, you know, accountable for mm-hmm. things that they're doing that are destroying them. And I think that that just showed you how much, you know, Waverly loved Winona in, in later, you know? Right. Well, and it's like, obviously, like, she couldn't have done it now. She couldn't have been like, you're an idiot. You got drunk and now you're pregnant. Like, just like not the best time. Right. Like, let's tackle one thing at a time. And then they got busy with all the demons and stuff. So but, yeah, it took a while. And trees and- yeah, that's a lot. A lot was happening. So we'll we'll let it slide. Uh, the phone rings and it's Waverly and Nicole answers it just so drunk. So cute. She says, Hey cutie. And Waverly is so agitated, you know, don't cutie me. But then she's like, I mean, hi, sweetie pie. And they're just like both stumbling over their words. And Wynonna's looking at her, like, don't tell her you're with me. Like, don't tell her where we are. Like, (laughs) and she's like, you know, I can't lie to her. Right. Um, but Waverly's so funny where she's like, where are you right now? I hear music, trashy, pumping. You're at a strip joint. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we get the classic line, Aphrodite made me do it. And then blink, the beer goes, uh, the, the phone goes in the beer glass, right? Um, yeah, just so like Winona whispering, like, shut your mouth and oh, everything about it. Like, I I could just watch this on a loop. Um Nicole's like, okay, I guess I deserved that. And Waverly's just like, you did not just hang up on me, which I kind of love when Waverly's a little bit mad at Nicole. Yeah. And sends her on a mission, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know how many strip bars she had to go to? Them? So much strawberry scented glitter. I noticed uh, like next time I do this, so she, you know, she does her face and she's like, this means don't tell my sister what a sleazy knocker locker, which then reminds me of Bunny saying this is not a soccer locker room. <laughs> it's like the whole like if you give a mouse a cookie situation, like I hear one thing and it just triggers me to something else. Um, but yeah, she's like, you know me, you know, I cannot lie to her, which guys we know she lies to her and she can lie to her because it's going to come soon with the DNA stuff. Sure, but did she lie or did she just withhold information? You hate when I bring this <laughs> up. <laughs> no, just for the sake of conversation, just saying. <laughs> you know, I can look the other way for Nicole Hot no matter what, but you're always letting her off the hook. Uh, Wayne is like, this is what you get when you're friends with a narc. And Nicole's like, I guess I deserve that. <laughs> but yeah, good face acting. They are going to get that saliva sample. Uh, and they're like, or Winona's like, Nicole, you got to go. I'm just going to get the saliva sample, but you got to get out of here. But then that's when Jonas walks over and recognizes Winona. And he's like, oh, when was the last time I saw you? And then she says, oh, about 28 weeks. So they're not getting out of there without a confrontation, obviously. And in the meantime, we've got that B plot going on with the boys and they're at the sheriff's office. And Doc is getting a bunch of guns and stuff together. And Dolls is like, what are you doing? Why are you planning for like some kind of crazy danger? Um, he thinks he's worried about the widows, but he's like, no, I'm just never going to be left uh, surprised again. And um, Dolls is like, you know, c- congratulations, man. And he's talking about Winona. Um, and he says about Winona, we both know how I, but then he stops. What was he going to say? Feel? How I feel about it. I think he was going to talk about it. Cause I thought he was like, just letting it go. 
but he's been, as we saw too, last episode, he's been, his pendulum on this is tough. He's gone from getting ready to take their relationship to another level to, you know, telling her to shoot Kronos and, you know, telling her to do her job. And then he's swinging back here, caring. So this, this has kind of been his, you know, way of dealing with it. Yeah. Now that he's busted open into the like feeling category, he's kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. He goes to go on to say like, you know, listen, she's carrying your kid. I just want us to get along and be mature about it. And that's when Jeremy barges in and he's like, Hey, I have good news. And he starts babbling some things about what he found on the veil from the widows. And, um, Again, he's just like fumbling over Doc saying like, oh, I need two sets of hands and yours are so nimble and soft, (laughs) just a little creepy. Um, And Doc is like, I don't have time for this. You know, he's just in a really bad mood and it's all very tense. And Dolls is like, well, you can't take our weapons. (laughs) Kind of like, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Right. He's like, you can't take our weapons unless you help us. And Jeremy convinces them to stick around for about three minutes because he needs his help, which is going to turn into a mess. But Back at Pussy Willows, we've got a very drunk Nicole now, um, my favorite character in the world. And she's all slurry and she's just like talking about how if you ever find yourself <laughs> building a temporary shelter in a flood zone, do not forget to write your name on the inside of your mosquito helmet, which is so random. <laughs> and my name is just like, amateur move, hot amateur but what's funny is I can also just hear like cat and Mel talking like this too, which just brings more joy to me. Um, and then they take a shot, but hot's drinking them all and then just handing the empty glasses to Winona to make it look like she's participating. Right. So very kind of her to do. <laughs> and um, they try to leave, but Jonas is like, Oh no, we're having a good time. And, Nicole says, yeah, which is why we're going to need a few more of those peppermint shots because it's like drinking Christmas. Oh, Oh, I know that line, which makes me think of later on when she says your laugh is like Christmas. I was going to say, I think Nicole Hot's favorite holidays, definitely Christmas. Jonas goes all red eyed and demony and he's like, even if you are here to kill me. Back at the sheriff's office, Jeremy is doing some toxiny stuff and he needs everybody to do their part so he can do this spell. And he's like, I guess, casting this binding spell to lure to lure the widows to them. But he's messed things up, typical Jeremy style, and they're now all stuck together. It is it more like physical stooges. Yeah, total three stooges. <laughs> like wait a minute what is happening and the behind the scenes for that is funny too because they're like up on pulleys <laughs> just like acting this all out it's got to be really fun to act out like just ridiculous stuff like that i don't know how i want to see like blooper reels is what i want to see yeah um at pussy willows turns out jonas knew that winona was the heir when he had sex with her which i totally had forgotten about but she had no idea what he was she just thought he was you know a regular guy um and then he just gets gross right like he's just uh you didn't think anyone could be like as vile as tucker but this guy is like pretty darn gross too i mean dare i say even worse if you had to pick who's worse tucker or jonas oh tucker i think yeah yeah, Tucker's awful. I know. I mean, Jonas is up there, but like, 
Yeah, I mean, Jonas is a, at least he's a revenant, so he's got a reason maybe why he's a little that way. <laughs> okay. Tucker is yeah. just, you know. Yeah, I guess. Not, not a fun choice, okay? No. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't want to pick either one, that's for yeah. sure. Pass. And, <laughs> and like, you know, we just came here for a drink, and Nicole's just so drunk. She's just, like, repeating what Winona says. <laughs> um. And then he's like, you know, watch your friend, uh, watch your mouth or my little friend in my boot comes out to play and drunk hot just slurs. And she's like, yeah, she means her gun. And I got one, too, because I'm a cop on oh, nuts. I left it at home. <laughs> oh, my God. I just love her so much. My Nona calls him anus, which, of course, is typical hilarious. My Nona. Jonas has the gall to ask for a second date at this point. And he's just being like very forceful about everything. And then that's what he notices that um, she's pregnant. And then he, oh, then he's like, tell me you just got fat. Hot pulls out her gun and drunkenly yells, you know, don't touch her. That's right. I keep one in my, my sock. How smart am I? I'm smart. <laughs> Why don't a throat punches him and then hot shoots out the electric box. So she's drunk as can be still has perfect aim. What Does that surprise do? you? No. <laughs> what can't she do? <laughs> uh, at the sheriff's office, the old marshal guy shows up, who we end up finding out later is Bass Reeves. And he throws a rope around Doc and just starts hanging him. And here's all the physical comedy. And they're bound together. So no, like whatever happens to one happens to all of them. So there's fumbling, there's falling down. And he's like, my quarrel's just with Doc. So he's like, you guys can all just leave. But obviously they can't because they're tied together. Um, Doc tries to bribe him, but he doesn't take bribes. <laughs> Jeremy throws a stapler at him and it just goes right through, <laughs> through him. It's like the one time he tries to be brave, right? <laughs> it just goes right through him. Um, and then Doc says he hates a phantom. So we've kind of identified this guy as a, a phantom now. And he tries to punch him, but his punch goes right through him. And the and Bass Reeves says, nothing from this earthly world can, but he's interrupted because then Dolls punches him. So he can punch because he's not from this earthly world. And we're still figuring that out. Like, right. he's still trying to figure out what exactly is Dolls. And like, I still am not 100% sure what Dolls ever was. Like, you know what I mean? Even yeah, now, like, yeah. What was he exactly? Do we? You know, like how, you know, like what, what, like what was the extent of it all? Yeah. Like we know there was some like stuff happening with BBD and like, you know, but like, how was he always like that? Did they create him like that? Was to what extent was he like that? Like, you know, there was right. How old was he when it happened? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is he like 300 years old too? Like what's happening here? You know? Um, Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because I did not know who Bass Reeves was until this episode and then went back and realized that he's an actual real life figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, just from Twitter and the notes and, and stuff that he was the first uh, American law enforcement official historically noted as the first black deputy U.S. Marshal official west of the Mississippi River. So, That's very cool. Yeah. And so this whole like person it was real and I thought that was really cool that they brought in like so much of one on her was you know made up it's it's not real and, and then they throw in these little like nuggets of like historical fiction you know I'm not fiction historical reality and things that have happened in the past um so that was really really interesting 
Yeah, it's fun when the when the real meets the the fiction part of it. Um, yeah. yeah, but I remember too, like the first time through, just being like, "Okay, this guy just mutters nothing from this earthly world," yeah. and now he just punched him. So it's like, okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, back at Pussy Willows, the uh, the girls are leaving, and um. Nicole's very drunk and just slurs, cake my teas, you drive. <laughs> just one of my very favorite parts of that whole thing. When Nona's like, oh, you're a cute drunk. Good aim, too. Um, and Nicole can still say words like thorax, even though she's very drunk, which surprised me. She says, grabbing McRevenant is not going to be too happy about having his thorax crest, so we really need to skip a doodle out of here. And I just love Nicole hot saying skip a doodle. Winona makes a funny wait, wait, abort joke. And then says sorry to her belly as she realizes um, that Jonas knows that she's harboring a fugitive, meaning the maybe next heir um, and possibly part revenant. And hot's a little like scared drunk. And she's like, they're going to come for you and for it. When, you know, she realizes like, oh, shit, this isn't good. If they realize now that they know that you have the next air in you, which I really didn't think about until this point in time either. Like I didn't, I didn't think past the like ramifications of her just having an unplanned pregnancy into like you're carrying like something of value until mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. If there wasn't reason enough to kill Winona, now there's double reason. Yeah. Or to not kill her as we see in like, what happens later on with with Rosita but yeah that this this could be like you know a target on her back for more for more reasons Jonas busts out asking if it's his he gets all demony and then um he's like you know like look at what we've done we're like the new Adam and Eve we've created a new race which like you had said Bonnie and like how is that even possible um and I'm, I'm yelling at my TV at this point going, no, no, no. <laughs> like, you know, like grandfather baby better than like this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, doc, this is not what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you needed a worse option to pick the other option. Right. Uh, it's like a grandfather baby doesn't seem so bad anymore. It's not creepy <laughs> at all. It's totally normal. Um, but yeah, now, now we have an Eve mention, right? And who knew how that was going to pan out later on too. Yeah, she pulls out Peacemaker and he tries to take off and she's like, no fair, I have kinkles. Um, Waverly has pulled up and opens the door to the Jeep with perfect timing and just knocks him out cold. And Winona yells, door prize. (laughs) (laughs) Waverly's like, that was a bad guy, right? Like, tell me I did the right thing here. And Nicole just panics and says, you're so pretty and I like you so much. That's one of my favorite lines. I know. So cute. Uh, Waverly's like, you're drunk and you're in trouble, both of you. And this is when she talks about how many strip clubs and how much scented strawberry scented glitter she has on her. Is it four? Three. Three. Uh, One more. Uh, One for good measure. There you go. And uh, Waverly's like, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? And, um, Hot goes on to do this like very drunken, awkward hand motion, trying to explain that uh, the bad guy might be the baby daddy. So that's like, I don't even know how to explain the hand motions without like 
you just got to see it. If you're here, you've seen it. Like nobody comes to this podcast if they haven't seen that episode. Oh, she's like, okay, what are we going to do with them? And they like goodbye Earl M style and stick them in the back of Nicole's squad car. Uh, Back at the sheriff's office, uh, we find out that Doc has made some enemies in his day. Right. And there's there's a long list of things that he's done. And they're like, why? You know, what's so bad that you've done after all this time that somebody's still after you? And Doc's like, hmm, it could be the Pinkertons or the Silver Cowboy Gang, or it could be Dave. I always wondered who Dave wondered was. Who Dave, well, yeah, so same. <laughs> Who's Dave and what did you do to Dave? All I can think of is the minions. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it's in sci-fi. It could be. Who knows? And um, they're like, what did you do? And then he lists. Okay, there's poaching, threatening, stealing from a shipwreck. I want to know all of these stories. Stealing from a shipwreck. Um but then he goes on to say that the, me- the messenger did mention Colorado in 1882, and it turns out he slept with the wrong woman twice. Dolls accuses Doc of being a very selfish person who does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And Doc is like, oh, I thought you're going to be mature about this. And he says, I told you I work alone. And Dolls is like, well, you're going to be this baby daddy. Um, we need you to be the baby's daddy. And Doc tells him, I might not be. And I think even um, dolls at this point is like, well, if it's not you and it's not me, like, who is it at this point? Um, and then they're worried that the spell, like, Jeremy says the spell will take one rotation, and they're like, okay, what a day? And Jeremy's like, or a year? I'm like, I don't, we don't know at this point. Luckily for them, it's just a day. Um, the old Marshall guy shows up, and um, they try to run. And they go outside and there's a whole pack of old ghosty guys with guns. And um, when they take the guns from Doc and Dolls, he says that his things will be given to his next of kin, which I thought was really interesting because like, who would his next of kin be at this point, right? Would just be his unborn child? Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah, that was a little more fun on the the old style Westerns of, you know, that's how they would do it back in the day. But I thought it was kind of sad because, like, he doesn't he doesn't really have a next of kin yet. Nope. You know, he's got one cooking in an oven, but <laughs> doesn't doesn't really have one. Um, and then he says, Bass says to him, you served under the great Wyatt Earp, yet a criminal. What a waste. And I thought that was like such a stab. Yeah. yeah, probably why he was still searching for him. Yeah. But such many like years a- later like a real dig to, to doc at this point. Um, the girls are at the, the sheriff's car and they're just sitting around trying to figure out what they're going to do with Jonas. And Nicole says, Oh God, I think I just had a hangover (laughs) and they've got him in the trunk of the car and they're discussing what to do because if he knows, um, about the baby, he's going to tell all of his revenant friends. And Nicole says, well, like, what you're just going to execute him and waverly says yeah that's kind of what she does nicole like this is all still new for nicole isn't it like she doesn't really realize that that's what winona's up to all this time well and i think i think maybe she kind of thought there was maybe some there might be some hesitation i guess because if there's now connection between this guy and your baby like maybe you know is that what you do you know are you just going to execute him like with or do you you know, is there any kind of like second thought going to happen? Right. Or does she, and also like, 
I think she's she knew like, you know, she obviously shoots revenants with Peacemaker, but like, has it always been in like a self-defense kind of thing? Has, has it always been like because the revenants have been after her? So is Nicole saying like, is this no, truly- in the first season? She had to put down Levi and stuff like that. Right. But would Nicole have known that? Oh, yeah. Maybe Nicole doesn't know. So like her that. just like making it sound like an execution, like. Mm-hmm. You're not even like if you're not being provoked, like do you literally just kill people? Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing this early on. Like it's still kind of, you know, early on for Nicole to be like she just got looped in not all that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um back in the woods, uh, the ghosty old guys are walking with Jeremy Dolls and Doc. And this is when <laughs> Doc says that he fornicated with the judge's wife twice. And Jeremy says, wow, you even screw up cooler than me. <laughs> it's like He's idolizing this bad choice he did. Like, wow, you're still so cool. Uh, Doc again tells him like, you know, just let my friends go. You said your beef was just with me. But now Bass has like changed his tune and he's like, well, no, they harbored you. So now they're guilty too. And Doc feels really bad about this, like that now he's gotten his friends roped into his bad decisions. Um, Bass Reeves reads his crimes out loud. And then Dolls speaks up for Doc saying, you know, he's a pain in the ass, but he's a great guy. And he's talking about how he's redeemed himself many times over and he's a changed man and that he's proud to call him his brother. It's just so sweet. Um, And then this is when Doc um, this is when Dolls hits Doc on the shoulder and he like winces and he's like, oh, sorry. And he's like, no, look, I'm branded. And that's when Dolls sees this, this circle. And he's like, oh, I recognize that. And Jeremy points out that, oh, that's like the five-sided star. And this is when he makes the connection that it's the U.S. Marshal's badge. And he puts two and two together that this guy is Bass Reeves, a legend and like the reason he wanted to become a lawman. Um. And for a second, I saw dolls like with that same fanboy energy that Jeremy has for Doc, but like dolls had it for this Bass Reeve guy. And um, he's like, yeah, do you have any questions? And he's like, yeah, just three. And he reads off justice, integrity and service. And they kind of like bro bond over the motto of the um, the U.S. Marshals Service. And this is when he's like oh, you're, you're a lawman too. And he's like, yeah. And he, you know, shows him his badge. It turns out he outranks him and Reeves tells them to stand down and he hands doc over to dolls and puts him in his jurisdiction. And this is when dolls pardons doc and tears up the order. And that whole situation is all cleared up now. Phew. Right. Mm -hmm. Done with that. But it's also so sweet too. Like, you, you know, he fanboys over this guy and then, you know, things, things were tense and then they were like, okay, we're going to be mature about this. But yet, you know, they still got this love triangle going on, but yet he's the bigger man here and he like still sticks up for him and saves the day. I thought it was great too in the episode. I mean, we obviously have the wonderful uh, experiences between Nicole and, and Winona, but it's also the Doc and Doll stuff here. Very much mm-hmm. parallel. The two of them become much closer. Right. Even when like it'd be so easy for them not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, to just keep harboring those ill feelings and the jealousy and the hurt. And, but no, they're, they're both such great guys that they do the right thing, even when they don't really want to, or when it's not really the easy thing to do. Um, back in the Jonas scene, um, he goes on about, you know, how there was always a rumor that there have been revenants who have bred with humans before, which is an interesting setup. Um, because the look on Waverly's face is like, huh? And I don't know. I read it as she's wondering this about herself, right? Because she's, she's questioning things about herself as we'll see later on. Um, and then Jonas just gets like, just too gross to repeat. Right. He just is saying all the gross things. Waverly gets pissed and she's like, just stop it. Shut your stupid sexist pie hole. Um, and Bridget and Emily talk about just like how gross Jonas is and um, how he makes Tucker look good. Kind of like I had said too. Uh, Bridget says, can I also say that the line Jonas says about Winona being a whore who def- defeated herself by letting him inside her made me so angry. I was just so mad. And Emily replies, he's the worst. But the thing I think that's interesting is that we also see the strength that Winona has gained in the last year that we've known her. She knows she's being baited with that line and she's bored with it. There's nothing that anyone can say to Winona that she hasn't already said or thought to herself. She has now found worth in what she does, the choices she makes and the family she is creating around her as unconventional as unconventional as that may be. So even though he's awful, we needed him to be because we needed her we needed to earn her killing him, right? She's more immune to his scathing commentary than she was in season one. So there's something interesting about that too. And like, I mean, obviously Emily's a wordsmith, but it's like, I just love how she lays that all out there about this growth that she's had. And it's like, not that it's okay that he's saying these things to her, but she does have a thicker skin and she believes in herself a little bit more than she did in season one. Well, yeah. I mean, in season one, it was constantly driven home to her that everyone hates you. I don't Like, you know, you're, you're a nobody, you're a screw up, you're, you know, you're this and, and you're, you, you know, you killed your, your own dad and all these things that she couldn't forgive herself for, but the whole town made her feel shame for. And I think she, she sort of let them erode her confidence, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, look, you know, it, it hurts when other people say mean things about you, you know, it does. I mean, we've all experienced it. Probably I would, I probably don't know a single person who's never had somebody say something mean about them, either right to their face or behind their back or, you know, I mean, she, it, it's, it's all, all there. So it, 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 and it erodes your self-confidence if you let it, right? Mm-hmm. Hard not to. But I love the fact that, yeah, from season one to season two, you see that she's she's gained confidence in her choices and what she's doing and her direction, her path, the fact that she's necessary, she's needed. And the fact that she has people around her who do love her and support her and champion her. Like you said, two guys who, you know, could be at each other's throats and could be like turn tail and running. And, and yet they're like, you know, actively trying to be there for her while she, during her pregnancy and trying to get along. And she's got, you know, her sister and she's got Nicole and she's got Jeremy and she's, she's building a family. Um, something she, she never really had much of. Right. You know? And so 
um, yeah, he, he, not to say what he says doesn't bother her, but like, it doesn't bother her the way it probably would have bothered her. That the things that people said made her run, right. Made her leave purgatory. Right. Made her think she didn't belong there. And now, you know, now she knows otherwise. So, and now she's staying. And now like just thinking of the growth too, like this family that she's building, like you said, you know, who knows if this same situation would have happened to her in season one, if she would have made the choice to, to have even have the baby. Mm -hmm. But it's like, part of me feels like she even considers doing this because she does have this support system around her now that she recognizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. She calls him a boring cliche and she says that she will raise this kid to be good and strong and everything he's not an herb. And then she says, here's to single motherhood. And Waverly says, you're a superhero. Forehead sister touch. And Wynonna says, same damn thing, which is just so very true. Shout out to single mothers and single fathers everywhere because it is not an easy thing. Yeah, it was, um, I, we've talked about this on, on our podcast, Kevin and I have, but um, at the time, so you talk about like crazy things with the show. At the time I was going through a divorce and the, when this episode aired um, was the week I was actually leaving the house with the kids. Oh God, Bonnie. And um, I was terrified, like terrified because like I didn't know that I could do it and I think that that was I knew I couldn't stay it wasn't a good situation I wanted to protect me but I wanted to protect the kids just just from like you know I mean just it just wasn't a good situation and so I I I needed to leave and I I was scared I was like what if I'm screwing them up what if I'm what if I can't do it what if I can't pay the bills like you know what I mean myself what if I can't what if there's not enough of me to go around? And for all your listeners who might not know, I have five kids. And so at the time, my youngest was four and my oldest was four, 13, four, th- how old was I even? 13. So like it was, um, you know, I had a lot of little kids and, and what if I couldn't be enough for them? You know um, I think that was what I was really worried about. And uh, so I had no idea this episode was happening and we're watching it and I'm cracking up laughing and I'm watching it. And then that line, they said that line and I like had to stop. It's the only time in the entire series I've ever had to stop the show. And like, I just sobbed because I was like, like, I don't know. I felt better, I guess, thinking that like, you know, I could, maybe I could do it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Like, you know, I just, I think just to, to hear, like, I was already worried how tough it was going to be, but I think to hear it out loud, to hear how, you know, that other people knew it was tough, I guess, you know, and that it was hard. Um, I don't know. It, it Sometimes naming something, you know, naming the things that you're afraid of, you know, right. it makes it feel a little bit better, brings it into the light a bit more, you know. And but it resonated that, with you. Yeah, 100%, because up until that moment, like I was thinking, you know, I come from a family where like, you know, the whole like, oh, you know, ki- kids need a mother and a father and like, you know, that whole thing. And, you know, um, my my parents, 
they're they're not you know they're they're good people but they're they always would would have these like you know statistics and like you know um kids that don't grow up without a father or like you know and and I you know and and as you're going through a divorce you're like that's not helpful you know <laughs> that's right. not helpful to me right now like you know I need to know that I can be enough for, to to fill the whatever void is in them you know what I mean yeah. that I can and and um and, you know, so I started looking up statistics after this episode too. like start looking up and, and, you know, no kids need one really stable, loving, good parent, mm-hmm. period. It could be a grandparent. It could be a, you know, a father, it could be a mother, it can be an aunt. They need one really solid, good, loving, you know, person in their life. And then, you know, and I, I think that that was important for Winona to kind of be like, you know, this is, you know for for Waverly to sort of acknowledge that like you know you're a superhero you know here's the single motherhood like same damn thing and it was like yeah because you can be enough you know it doesn't have to look conventional it doesn't have to fit the like traditional mold you know you are enough you know and your kids just need love and attention and even if you're spread thin at the end of the day like you know it it matters and we talk about like representation matters on this show and usually we're talking about you know the queer Mm storyline but this is just I I think another one of those examples of like at that moment in time Mm -hmm. what you needed to hear was a super natural western you know superhero saying I can freaking do this and you were like yeah you can and so can I yeah I think it was just something that I needed to hear and I didn't even know it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the very next line when she says, you know, you know, what is this? Like, I think, what does she say? Like, what is this? Baby? Yeah. This baby, what is it? Yeah. And then she said, it's ours. And right. it was just like, yeah, because that's, that's all that matters. Right. And I went in and, you know, I moved into my house with, you know, by myself with my kids, I learned how to like, you know, fix washing machines and dryers. I learned how to help my son tie a tie. I learned all the things that I didn't even know I could do. Um, because the only thing I knew that I needed to, to have or know was that I loved them and that that's all they needed to know. And I think that that's kind of where Winona's understanding right now too, is that like, okay, like I've got all that I need to, to do this. Right. We don't have, we don't have all the answers, but we know it's going to be fine. Yeah. But that's like every parent, right? Like you have a kid, you, there's, you don't have all the answers. Like even if you think you have all the answers, right. <laughs> you don't they'll, have all the answers. They'll throw you a curveball in no time. Oh, <laughs> and even if their whole childhood is amazing, then they get to teenage years. So there's another curveball comes. So like it's. Oh my gosh. Kevin loves when I tell him a teenage story and he's like, been there, heard I it, know. done that. I wouldn't have gotten through the last three years if it wasn't for Kevin's support because my teenagers have been all over the place. It's why I had to pull back so much from stuff in the fandom just because I was, it, it is a full-time job being a single yeah. mom. And uh, there's times when I just melted down to Kevin and he was like, you got this. It's okay. Like, you know, your kids love you. One day they'll understand. You know? <laughs> I yeah. hope so. <laughs> it'll all click someday for them, right? It just doesn't, doesn't seem like that someday's right now, but it'll be someday. Someday. <sighs> wow. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was it was so t- 
oddly bizarre eerie timing like it was crazy when you watch it does it still hit the like does it still hit like does it It take you right back to that not in the same way so in this you know back then I was so scared like oh my god I don't know shoot the only other thing I was more scared of was coming out to my very religious family (laughs) that was that was the scariest but um I was really scared like what if I couldn't like make it work what was I gonna do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean so um I was really scared that I couldn't do it. And and now when I hear it, when I see it, I just remember that scared woman who like didn't think she could do anything. My self-confidence was so low. Um, it had been eroded throughout the years. It was so low. And then like now I look back and I, I remember that girl and I, I just want to go and be like, it's going to be okay. Like you're going to find so much strength and so much like resilience inside of you that you're you're not even going to recognize yourself in five years, you know? Um, but, you know, it, it, I feel like a different person now when I look at it, because now I, I'm looking at it from a sense of like someone who's like run the marathon, yeah. you know, and not that I'm at the finish line yet, but like, you're like, you know, I'm all 22 and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Like, okay, I'm, I'm actually finished this race. Yeah. There's <laughs> a <So> light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> you're not in the so, soup anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, then, um, how do you segue from something like that? um, Like personal? That was always our trouble on our, on our podcast too. (laughs) Like, okay, now I have to go on to this next scene, (laughs) which is just in the sheriff's office. Um, Dolls is looking at Doc's brand and he's like, you know, it's not going to leave a scar. It's very superficial. And it turns out that, you know, (laughs) It only gets better that Dolls' plan was like he had a bulletproof vest on and he knew that the old guns couldn't pierce his armor. So he was like going to take some of the hits until they like figured out everything. So it's just I don't know. Hearing that like really hit me, too, because it was like as much as they are, you know, at at odds with each other, they're still this team. Right. There's always this all these different teams and well, everyone's working for the best things only work if they don't aim for your face. This is my whole thought, right? This is also my thought. I'm like, okay, after I start, after I finish crying, right? And I watched right. I'm like, he's all like, this was my plan. I'm like, that's great if they like only go for your chest, but what if they like aim for your head? You're what done. about your pretty face? Yeah, that's it. You're over. Yep. Like, Game no, over. There's no mask or bulletproof mask for your face. Wow, you're really a thread puller. I all thought right. I was bad. <laughs> How, how'd you put I'm up with this guy? Gotta <laughs> stay, like, oh. stay sharp. Gotta stay sharp. And uh, he's like, you know, how did these guys find you after all this time? What has changed? And then Doc says he needs to go visit someone as he's rubbing his his ring. So we we know that this is all part of the Cludy situation, right? They've that whole series of events has has happened because um, Cludy's skull has been burned. Which I always thought, like, here, I'm going to pull the thread now, but, like, shouldn't he have died? Like, she died. So, like, shouldn't something bad have happened to him? Well, I think didn't, at some point, was it Emily or somebody? I thought it came up a little later on um, that the the way they were bound together was, like, you know, it had to do with the fact that she extended his, basically, his life. So it was, it was not a, you get everything I get. 
meaning like you're asking that he, that he would die because of her, okay. but in, in this life we're connected, mm-hmm. you know, she exits it. Okay. Well, I guess not anymore. I, I thought there was some, maybe some of the listeners will remember an interview or discussion where it came up, but I, I, I think I remember something going, Oh, okay. Now it makes more sense. Cause like when she got, was it shot? And then he, yeah, like when he, that, shot, yeah. he got yep. that wound way back in season one, it was yes, like kind of same like wound. matched. Mm-hmm. But then, like her skulls popped off, and like he's fine. <laughs> I don't want to poo-poo anybody's stories, but <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm willing to look the other way if I don't stop and think <laughs> about these things. It's fine. Um, and then we, I, I don't. I'm gonna try not to make you cry, but now we're back at the homestead, and the stairs are there, and it's it's not season four stairs; it's just regular stairs. And Wynonna is talking about how she's got like an ultrasound book. So this is all good stuff, right? She's being very responsible. She's acknowledging this pregnancy and just going to do all the right things. Um, And she's talking about how, well, there's obviously not going to be a DNA test, but they already know that on one side of the family, uh, it could possibly be revenant-itis. And on the other side, it's Wyatt Earp's best friend. And she says she's fakakt either way. Waverly's only partially listening because she's got other things on her mind and she starts to t- uh, apologizing for telling Doc and um, Wynonna's like, oh my God, you told him like, she's like, yeah, I was trying to be supportive and I thought you told him. Wynonna says, no, I chickened out and then I chickened out about telling you I chickened out. <laughs> and she says, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that this baby, and then she's a little bit shocked that she's called it a baby and finally acknowledged that, you know, it's a baby. Uh, whoever the dad is, is an Earp, as Earp as you and me. And she's like, hey, you're going to be Auntie Waverly and you get to teach this baby its history um, and all about history. And Waverly starts crying. Winona doesn't know what's wrong. And she says, what about my history? And she says, I don't think I'm your sister or even an Earp at all. Dun, dun, dun. Cliffhanger. Yeah, I don't know what how a, you guys spot. did it, having to wait a whole week. See, yeah, I try to bring even that longer. Because <laughs> I just hit go to next on Netflix. <laughs> the worst was when she touched the goo at the end of season one, and we had to wait a freaking year, and we didn't even know we had a season two, and then we had to fight for season two, and then we had to wait for it to know who she shot at. I what don't know book? how you what guys remember saying evil or not. It was awful. I hope you all had good therapists at that time. <laughs> no, we just that's podcast. What, that's what, yeah, we just did lots of podcasts to talk about it. Get yeah. it out. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's a heck of a spot to get left. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've, since Bobo mentioned it back in the treehouse, you know, it's been wondering, it's been the thought that was running through discussions, fandom and all, but with all the emotional stuff between the two of them and Winona to have, you know, Waverly finally break down and say it to her because, you know, wow, that was a lot. That was just a lot. Yeah. And just all these little hints and very different hints. Right. And then having this episode where it's like we're bringing up that revenants and humans have been rumored to have you know, created offspring together. So then it's planting that seed where you're just, I mean, just so evil. These writers just torture us. Like, <laughs> Well, and then, you know, I, I'm like, 
Kevin's all worried at the end of the episode. I remember. And I'm all Pollyanna about it. I'm like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. Because like, they don't need to be family because that's what the whole show is freaking about is about. It's not about being blood relatives. It's about who shows up for you. It's about who's there for you. And so they're going to be sisters, whether or not it. Yeah. But if she would have been part revenant, then Winona, like would Winona have to try to kill her? Like, well, I didn't go there. And (laughs) (laughs) that was was a little dark. And Thank goodness. You didn't. (laughs) I was just like, it's going to be fine. Kevin. (laughs) It's going to be fine. Anne's like, well, what if she's part revenant? Well, why don't I have to kill her? Like, if I had done that to Kevin in season three, he would have, like, dropped. (laughs) (laughs) She kills sisters all the time. I mean, she's like, 50-50, she'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she did kill one sister. See? Which Will Will is a very misunderstood tragic figure, I think. Oh, no, that's its own conversation for sure. Right. I mean, but I mean, we talk about, especially in light of the, you know, the way we try to look at it here on this podcast in the, in the context of the series. Um, and Bonnie brought it up beautifully a little earlier um, in, in terms of how this episode for her, you know, going back to it now, how, how the evolution of what she's um, gone through and, and the stride she's been able to take and, and, all of that that's happened there that changes how you look at it. I mentioned a little earlier uh, how these episodes start to mean different things to just, you know, different viewers and, and each of us in different ways. This episode, as we said earlier, aired during San Diego Comic-Con. I was very blessed to be there, um, 2017, and through a lot of wonderful things that kind of came together. We were able to do a live tweet with almost all the cast um, that was at the con, which was all of the main players, except for Shamir. Um, But we were able to set up and do a live tweet with the cast. And, and I think maybe 10 or 12 verbs kind of came together. We can go into some details on how maybe a little later at some point, but it was a wonderful opportunity to get to be with the cast and to, you know, live tweet the episode. I mean, how amazing was that? We all love doing the live tweets, but to have all of us in a room as the episode is playing, and I got to do a lot of the behind the scenes work to make it happen. So I was very proud of being able to help to make it happen. And it was so much fun doing it and, and hearing everyone, Mel, Emily, all of them, are, you know, just like you would expect them to be yelling back and forth at each other while they're tweeting and watching the episode. But I knew and still know how much this show and the fans and my friendship with Bonnie and my friendship it's developed with you Anne, and, and everyone else, how much, even back then, how much it meant. So while we were doing that live tweet and actually come to commercial breaks um, and have a couple of minutes at the, at the break after that scene, the motherhood and all I stood up, because I knew the whole cast was there for just a minute. And I wanted to tell them how much I appreciated them and all that they'd done for us fans. Cause they were so amazing and still are embracing us and all and how much it meant to me um, and how much I appreciate it. So it was just kind of a little, you know, a thank you. And as you all can imagine, you know, I got a little emotional about it, but it was just so special that I got that chance to share that with them. And it, and it meant a lot to me then. And it still means a lot to me as you can tell today. Um, 
there's even a picture floating out there somewhere um, that you can see me standing up as I was doing it. And, and I believe I made Don cry. So, you know, I got my point out. But the thing that I love about that is what Bonnie brought out earlier. Each time now I go back to this episode in a rewatch, not only does it bring back some of those memories for me and getting there a chance to do it. It also brings back the memories of seeing how far Bonnie's been able to come, knowing how hard she worked, how much she had to overcome and to be able to see that and to be able to be there for a friend of mine. It just comes back each time. And it shows us again, we talk about a show more than a show. And that's why it is. And all of us can have these different experiences and see so much from it. And it's not the same each time through when you're watching or rewatching. As all of us, whether you're a newer upper or someone who's been around longer, we joke about time between seasons. You all get to have the same experience because as you're watching the show and making more upper friends, you're all bonding as something happens and you get to know them. So when you go back to it, you get to be there with them. And this is something that never ends. It never goes away. That's the beauty of, of this experience. Um, because we are all, all so all in and willing to do it and look at it and appreciate it. That doesn't happen in other things. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm the, the dorky emotional guy who brings up not letting great moments pass you by, thinking about what these things mean and realizing how far you've come, whoever it might be. And this, this goes out to any of you listening too. everybody has those challenges and it's just amazing to be able to see them progress, your friends, the people in the show and everybody around. So this, that's why this episode too means so much to me. Damn it, Kevin. It's beautiful. You're absolutely right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter when you come in, the show has this effect on, on everyone, right? There's, there's something within the 40, I'm a, how many episodes? 43, 40, 49, 49 episodes um, for everyone. And I think at like any given point in time, somebody has like a moment in the show, possibly several um, that really grabbed them. And I love that we all kind of come together because of the common bond of the show. And then it just becomes about so much more. And we, we share those stories with each other and help each other out. And yeah, it's this huge network and family. I love it. I didn't expect Kevin was going to make me cry. Usually that's the opposite way around. <laughs> Bonnie feels Sorry. absolutely defeated that she couldn't get you first. <laughs> she's had, get, you know, she's had my back so many times on podcasts. Just like you, Anne, when I start to crack or whatever, she stepped in so many times, so. She's always been there for me too. So that's, you know, I never want to lose sight of how special it is. You guys I, have a beautiful friendship. I, I think love. it's amazing to see the amount of emotion that you continually trust us with, you know, and, and you're the listeners and stuff like that. So many people, you know, bottle so much up, you know, to, to, especially in our society that tells us like, you know, crying is a sign of weakness or, you know, like, you know, being, you're not able to handle things or, you know, you're too emotional or you're too this, you're too that. And I just think it's incredible, incredibly liberating to 
podcast with someone who is so in touch with their emotions and is okay with that because it allows me the permission and freedom to be okay with mine. And so it's a gift, Kevin, that you give people who know you. It's not dorky in the slightest. It is a gift because yes. you, you basically let everyone else put their guard down because, you know, you're not afraid to be who you are. And so it gives everyone else permission around you to be who they are. So just, just know that and never, ever, ever, ever change, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I joke cause that's my love language. Um, but yeah, you like the show, give people the permission to, yeah. to be who they are and you as you are is just fine the way you are. And you're just like the show that way. I think, uh, like you said, and the show gives everyone permission to feel things and to relate to things and to, I mean, shoot, it's given us language to talk about things. I mean, people have been able to talk about their mental health because they can use the word Jolene. It feels better to them to say that than to say, I, I'm depressed or I'm, I'm this or I'm anxious or I'm, they don't have to dive into it. They could just say like, Jolene's got me today. I don't feel good, you know, and I think it's incredible. And, and you look at a show, four seasons of a show on sci-fi never really was a huge, uh, you know, in, t- in terms of like Game of Thrones and, you know, things like that in terms of viewership and stuff. But the impact it left behind is, is incredible. And I think as more and more people find it, I think it's going to be that for a lot of people, just giving them permission to be who they are, to feel what they feel and giving you know, and the community. I mean, that's a bonus. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that like so many people found it during the pandemic was it was like during a time when so many people were feeling things that they had never felt before. And then, you know, this show is that that security blanket like that that allows you to feel things and helps you feel things that maybe you needed to feel that you weren't feeling. So I think that's part of the reason people gravitated to it so much. And genre is good for that, you know, because it, it can it can talk about hard topics, society, culture. Um, it can shine a light on things, but in a way that's not so on the nose, you yeah, know, not so stifling and like yeah, ugh, scary. So it's it's like in its own like fantasy realm, but like all the things are there, and all the themes are there, all the emotions are there, all the threads are there. Um, so, and, and, and I love that about this show. Yeah. You don't have to sit with it too long because like, there's going to be a dick joke around the corner and exactly. like, lift the weight a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, shifting gears a little bit to some of the behind the scenes. Uh, Emily talks about how they had to have Winona already pregnant when season two started to make the timeline work and that, when they were doing the math, those events would have had to have happened in season one. Um, so what she likes so much about this episode is who she brings with her to deal with the mistake. And that's Nicole. So I, I love that. Like as much joy as we got out of that, like Emily had just as much joy, like creating that whole, why not relationship and was really excited about it. Yeah, because again, the fun part in those video interviews, you know, done way back in the time, this is before things even got more 
amazing coming into season three and then a four. I mean, this was just her getting a chance to see it here. And then uh, I think it was you, Bonnie, mentioned it, or both of you have, of how they learned to write to those strengths. Yeah. And then uh, that's all I have for like postmortem and behind the scenes. And then, you know, one of my very favorite episodes is coming up next. And I'm sure it's going to break my brain all over again because it's been a while since I watched it. And now that I know even more, like now that we know more, I'm just going to, I'll probably have to watch it like three times because I'm going to dive so deep into that episode. The next one coming. It's the Vision Quest one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah, they do such a great job. I mean, we see part of it here in the certainly the behind the scenes talking about making that night, you know, beyond to drinking the shorties to work at the Pussy Willows to tie into the pregnancy. And then when we're going to get the episode with the Robert Swain and, and, you know, the vision quest and then see Bobo in a whole new light, never be able to see it again. <laughs> yeah. As we saw him in season one. So. The show just being able to just keep giving us so many different viewpoints. Yeah. And I'm so curious to see like if there's anything that's in that episode that come like comes out later on down the line as far as like season four and late in season three mm-hmm. that we didn't know until much later. Wow. It's always so fun to like when we go back and watch in the grand scheme of things is to see like okay, how far back were the seeds planted? It's very meta. It gets me all tripped up in my head. (laughs) We can talk about things that have already happened. So I'm okay with saying this, but like, so the whole like angel thing, like after that came out, you know, um, in season and the season three, right? Um, The, uh, and people were going back and realizing that like the very first time Waverly like, enters a scene at all she's got a shotgun she shoots the pillow and you see feathers all around her Mm -hmm. did they honestly know she was an angel at that point really like this is is what we talk about all the time like i'm like okay am i just seeing it because i know it's already there like and you know we'll never know the answer like and then gus tells her one of my favorite lines of all time when she tells because I, I, again, talk about like a thing speaking to you. This was like, one of those lines that spoke to me because I was going through something similar. Like when Gus tells her, unstick your wings, mm-hmm. you know? And like, and you're like, but now looking back at it, that has like totally different meaning. Right. right? You know? And did she know? Like, yeah. Yeah. What was that like purposely in there? Like when, like, did Emily always know she was an angel? When did she start putting the little Easter eggs in? Are they purposeful? Or is it just we hear what we want to hear? Yeah. We'll never yeah. know. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. There's like where she's standing up in the behind her. There's like well, something on the, on the, those look wings on a. On the mantle. On the yeah. The mantle. And they're like behind her. Like it's, there's this, there's a lot, but like you said, are we like looking for it and just, happening to see us there's a lot of coincidence here yeah you know we'll never know and that's the whole fun of it all (laughs) (laughs) just makes us go crazy yeah oh well you can tell us your ideas and opinions and tell us if you think we're crazy or if we're wrong or all the things you like to do by visiting us at herbologypodcast.com you can leave us a voicemail 
you can email us directly at herbologypodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us hanging out on Twitter at herbology underscore pod. Bonnie, where can they find you? On Twitter at, at Winona fans. Um, like I, my social media presence isn't what it used to be. Uh, raising five kids that we talked about earlier, raising five kids is, is in the pandemic was challenging, but um, I'm still there. Uh, also, still podcasting with Kevin, Tales of the Black Badge. Yeah, you guys got something coming out soon, right? Been working yeah. on? Yeah, we're going to be doing our season four favorite eps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got the listeners, hundreds of listener responses, some interesting, interesting picks there. <laughs> I don't, I don't anyone, even anyone, anyone say their favorite episode of season four is not the freaking wedding. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to give, not going to give anything away. I'm just saying there's some interesting choices in the votes that came in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't know that I've ever stopped to think about what my favorite episode is. I'm like it's just hard. not even there mentally yet. It's hard. And like we started doing it like just, oh, we'll just pick our favorite episodes, whatever. Like literally we had to narrow it down. Remember, Kevin? Because we were like, well, what if we like picked a t- I can't remember. I was like, well, we're, we're going to be talking about nine episodes. It's like almost the whole thing. <laughs> like, we couldn't narrow it down because there's there's something I love about every single episode. And I could be like, I couldn't imagine the show without that, you know, or mm-hmm. about that. But, but when you, but some episodes just sort of like stick with you for whatever reason and your it, it might have to do with your journey it could be characters that you love um you know but it's uh yeah I you know think- i honestly had no idea why you wanted to come on for this episode i really didn't yeah, know so that was really a treat to find that out so uh, kevin, was, kevin was like i was thinking about you for this podcast and i was like yeah all right <laughs> i was at first i was like that's not the set visit episode like in my head, I was thinking, no, that's set visit. And I'm like, no, that's not set visit. So I'm like, and I almost asked you, Kevin, I almost I DM'd you today and was like, what, why did you pick this one? I and wasn't giving it up. So that was really, that was like, <laughs> that's really, but I didn't know you didn't know. I no, so it really, was, it was nice to find out. Thank you. Yeah, for yeah. Sharing. It, was a, it was a very it was a difficult time for me, but it was the perfect episode when I needed it most. So yeah. uh, so much of the show is for so many people. Well, and I've often said, and I'm probably not the only person who has said it before, but um, I don't believe that you find Winona Earp. I think that Winona Earp finds you, and it usually finds you when you need it the most. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. With you. Well, until next time. Hope you all take care. Appreciate you tuning in. Thanks, Ann and Kevin, for having me on the podcast. Anytime, Bonnie. <laughs>